How many of you know some people are just ate up with anger, anxiety, stress? See, none of that, none of that is from God. None of that's from God. None of that's from God. And he died for all of it. We, we forget sometimes that, that salvation is body, soul, and spirit. He, the, Isaiah prophesied centuries before it happened that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of what? My peace. Where's that? The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And when Peter wrote in his epistle, he said, by his stripes, we were healed. Not going to be, were. Listen, it still washes white as snow. It still reaches to the highest mountain, to the lowest valley. It still washes white as snow. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. You can be seated tonight, maybe. <laughs> so much of the church world over the last 20 years it became a phenomenon, a fad almost, to remove, quit singing about the blood, quit singing about the cross, quit singing about the 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 whipping post and i'm going to tell you that a church without the blood without the cross is just a social club your time and your effort would be better spent at the lions club and and at the, and at kiwanis and at the country club than a church that doesn't sing and preach about the blood of jesus and the cross of calvary that's the centerpiece the greatest event in human history happened at Calvary. Changed the world. All oh, the atheists may not like it, and the, and the woke crowd may want to scream. And they can try to rid the world of the blood of Jesus, and, and, and that man that was a sea walker, <laughs> a blind man healer. <laughs> we used to sing about a sea walker, a blind man healer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, from Galilee. But you know what? They can get mad as they want to, but they still, every time they, every time they write a date down. Y'all ought to wake up. Yeah, I, I, that ought to turn your crank. That, that ought to charge your battery or your electric car. <laughs> We still, they can hate him if they want to, but they mark time by him every day. Like it or leave it. And he's still powerful. In fact, he has all power in his hands. He has enough for you tonight. Somebody in this room, somebody watching by live stream, somebody that will watch it a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, needs to hear he still has enough power for you to change your situation, to change your life. <laughs> James, maybe, chapter 3. James, chapter 3. 
Now I went out a while ago, and when I went, my, our, our security team and ushers are funny and diligent. I walked out a while ago, and they looked at me, and they said, that's one time, Pastor. <laughs> I said, good job, guys. <laughs> funny guys. James chapter 3. Let's begin reading in verse 13. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, that's King James' word, it means out of good behavior, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter envying and strife, that word strife there means a selfish ambition. So if you have a bitter envying and selfish ambition in your hearts, boast not or glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom what wisdom? The one that's from bitter and strife and in your heart. See? Because he says this, well, you've got to know which wisdom. Which wisdom is he talking about? He's talking about, the wis he's talking about what he just says if it comes from envying and strife. He says this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Wow. For where envying and strife is there is confusion in every evil work. Mm. I think we better read 16 again, don't you? For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You know what the best teacher is? Is there teachers in the house? There's one. You know what the best to two? More than two. What, what's, the, what's one of the best teachers? I didn't hear all that, but I, that repetition. Oh, he is the teacher. But when you're teaching, one of the most effective tools is repetition. That's why I say, let's read that again. That's why sometimes you get on a roll and you repeat it five times. That's why when you, when you teach a concept or of any kind, but when you're teaching Bible doctrine or whatever, you, it, there's, well, that's why Paul writes about some of the things that Peter's write about, that, that James writes about, that Isaiah wrote about hundreds of years earlier because the Word of God says that that precept must be upon precept and he repeats it twice precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little there a little should God speak to his people yes so 
Verse 16 again says, for where envying and strife is. Anybody been, ever been in that envying and strife situation? Me and Matt. Anybody else in an envying and strife situation? Any, anybody ever just been in a work environment? I'm not going to ask about your home tonight because y'all look at each other and elbow each other and cut your eyes at each other and say amen at the wrong time. That's right. I, I set that up. I mean, so sometimes it's best that you... But how many of you have ever been in a work environment or, or had in close quarters with somebody that it was tension all the time? Been around somebody that it didn't matter if you set up, they'd say down. If you said right, they'd say wrong. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil work. Now, before we even finish the chapter, well, let's finish the chapter. But wisdom, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let me throw a few things on that. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, said, blessed are the peacemakers. Or how about blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive, come on somebody, mercy. Paul wrote, he said, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably. Live in peace with all men. Let me, re let me back up and put it in today's vernacular. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all mankind. Well, I said that for a reason. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. There's a spiritual law already. How I many know that we don't live by the law of Moses, but God does everything legally? How many times have you ever heard me say that? And there is spiritual law. And there's a spiritual law addressed here in verse 18. It says, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The spiritual law here would be defined in the, in the vernacular that you would recognize it in, in Paul's letter to the Galatian church. When he says, whatsoever a man shall sow, that shall he also reap. Look at it again. And fruit of righteousness is sown. I mean, the word's even in there. And peace. Who is it sown in peace from? of them that make peace. So let's go back to verse 16. 
For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Let me establish something, another thing right off of the bat. As we dig into just line upon line on Wednesday night, it's usually almost what we almost always do is just break down the Word of God. Teach you what the Word of God says. Book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. For every envying, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion. You can stop there. But he said more, and there's a conjunction added to it. And every evil work. There's a reason for that, that it's every evil work because it's coming out of confusion. And here's one thing, I'll throw some scripture on that. Because Paul wrote to, I believe it was the Corinthian church, he said that God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. When, when confusion, envy, and strife comes into your situation, into your life, there's one thing you can count on for a fact. And not only for a fact, it's truth. I'll define that because facts and truth are not the same thing. You can count on it's true. Bedrock, fundamental, unchangeable, truth. That where there's confusion, strife, and envy, it didn't come from God. Because God is not the author. He, author, he didn't write it. He's not the originator. It didn't flow out of him. It didn't come from God. For where there is envying and strife, there, where envying and strife is, that's present tense right now, where it abides, where, it, where it's located, where there's envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. There is always potential. That's a big statement. There is, well, anytime you're in a situation of, of envying and strife and confusion, according to the Word of God, there is the potential for anything to happen. How many of you ever heard any account anywhere of somebody, uh, uh, of somebody murdering somebody over envy, jealousy? Come on. Strife. There, there's tension that builds up. Uh, uh, comes to a boiling point where, 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 uh, where people uh, come into conflict. You get somebody hot-tempered hot enough, you get somebody in the wrong, right or wrong, however you want to call it. How many of you know you put, them, you put somebody in the wrong situation full of envy and strife that anything can happen? When you get, when you get them in a, in, in, in a state of confusion, people do dumb things. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And, this is, and he's talking about the context from, from verse 13 and 14 is a type of human wisdom that is, it says that it's not from above, it's not from God. He's talking about that flows, I believe it says, out of, out of, out of, uh, sensu out of a sensual nature. 
who is wise man endued with knowledge among you, let him show a good behavior in his works of meekness and wisdom. But if you're, you have a bitter and ending strife in your heart, now we talked about that last week because he talked about what comes out of your mouth and nobody can tame the tongue. That if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, that, that, what, that what comes out of you will not reflect God. So what we talked about last week, we talked about, you know, the Bible says that, what is, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what is in you, when it gets under pressure, is going to come out of you. And so he's talking, so he, 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 he's talking in the same vein. He hasn't even changed chapters, if they had had chapters. They, they, he's still talking in the same flow of thought that if you begin to walk in wisdom that comes out of, out of, uh, out of your sensual, uh, that is earthly, that, that would mean that, that it would be the wisdom of everything around you, mankind. It's from here. That, it, that if, if your wisdom comes, was earthly, if it was that it's sensual and devilish. And I want to tell you what is there. This wisdom descends not from above. I believe James has already told us earlier in his book that every good and perfect gift comes, from the, comes down from heaven, from the Father of lights, yes? So where does every good and perfect gift come from? It comes from above. And now he's telling us this wisdom, what the wisdom, the wisdom that does not reflect good character, the, the wisdom that comes from earthly, that's earthly, sensual, and devilish. And I'm going to say that it's not from above, but is, you could say from, earthly, sensual, devilish. That is actually three different places. Earthly would be conventional, let's call it conventional wisdom. You ever heard of conventional wisdom? Just me and Andrea. Have you ever heard of conventional wisdom? I don't know if I've ever taught you anything if you don't tell me. Have you ever heard of conventional wisdom? Some of you have heard of common sense. Very few of you have actually seen it. I've told you before, I don't, I've never really understood why they call it common sense. It's really not all that common. Read one, I read sometime on Facebook one time, it said, had a little meme, it says that, that, the, that common sense is not a flower that grows in many people's garden. <laughs> common, it said, it, but it's earthly, that would be conventional wisdom. That, that, is what, that is what people just think because it's human reasoning among mankind. Sensual now, y'all think that means something that it doesn't. It actually just means of the senses. What's the source of? One is it's just for mankind. It's the common knowledge, a common wisdom. One is sensual. Well, that, that source is you. Mm. Sensual means of, of, your, of your, you see, hear. Smell, taste, touch, senses. It's sensual. One is devilish. And none of them are from God. Two of the three flow out of fallen nature. 
Two of the three flow from the sin nature. They come from the fall of man. And the other one is obvious. Comes from the enemy of our soul. This kind of wisdom. The kind that causes strife and division and confusion. If it comes from God, this is real simple tonight, this part. If it comes from God, it's going to bring unity. Now and peace. And rest. Oh, I can go straight for the tall weeds. Because somebody's going to go and say, well, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And you say, oh, I found that contradiction. All that book, all that book, that old book written by all them men. And, you know, it's just full of contradiction. No, sir. No, ma'am. See, the the thing about Jesus, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. See, he, uh, see, the, 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 he didn't come to make peace with the world. Oh, why don't we just go ahead and learn something about Jesus tonight? Flowing out of James. How's, let's, let's just go ahead and do that. How's that? Because see, Jesus, there's there's a big misunderstanding about what Jesus came for, what he came to do. uh, A matter of fact, the Jesus in the church world today bears no resemblance to the Jesus of the Bible most of the time. You know, back, a lot of mag church people, you've heard me say it many times. Y'all remember back in, how how long ago was that? It was the other day, 1990-something. you know, the older, I'm like Brother Swagger, the older I get, the more the other, the other day was 30 years ago. You ever do that? Well, it's the other day, and you're looking, well, kind of. Y'all, y'all remember WWJD? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember, that was pretty popular. WWJD, uh, that was the 90s, right? Does that sound about right? WWJD, what would Jesus do? And you know, I, I know I've talked about it before, but it bears repeating in the context of all we're doing. You know, that when the people would throw that at you when they didn't like what, you know, what the church world had to say, what Christianity had to say, what you had to do to live for God. They still don't. They didn't then. They don't now. They never will. The world's never going to be at peace with, 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 with Jesus. Well, actually, there will come a time, and we'll talk about that in a second. There will come a time when the world will be at peace with Jesus because they won't have any choice. What would Jesus do? I'll answer the question. In every situation, every time, I can, it's a 100% answer. You don't even have to guess. What would Jesus do? Jesus would do in every situation exactly what the Word says. He would do exactly, every time, what would Jesus do? Exactly what the Word says. Because He is the Word, the living Word. And you can't separate Jesus from the Word, because He is. What would He do? Exactly what the Word says. 
So it says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. In a fallen world, there's no way that the holy can, can make peace with the profane. Because, see, they killed him. See, if we live, uh, the, if we lived more like Jesus and we, be, and, we, and, we, and, we, and we became more and more like him, especially in the world we're in, the more we become, let me say it this way, the more we become like him in this dark and grossly dark world, the more people are going to have to pay for being like Jesus. Because you would think everybody has this idea that if you become like Jesus that everybody's going to fall in love with you. But see, when you get, become more like Jesus, the world hates you. And you say, well, that doesn't match what James is saying. That, we, that, all, that, that, that the right kind of wisdom comes from above and, and that it comes with peace and, and rest and all of that. And the peace and the rest and the, and the tranquility and all the things that he talks about is in you. Oh, yeah. Because all hell might be going on around you. Some of you are confused about how he could be the prince of peace when he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. That's when he came. That was when the word, let me go slow, that was when the word became flesh and dwelled among us. It was when the divine became human. He didn't come. He wasn't manifest as the son of God, as the baby in the manger, as the, as the, as the sea walker, the blind man healer, the uh, leper cleansing man from Galilee. That, that, see, they, that he, he was perfect then and they killed him. Because he was perfect. His, his, his perfection and that spirit that was in him, it, it stirred every demon it walked past. It stirred up every religious spirit that it came in contact with. Everything, every law of religious hypocrisy that confronted it, it stirred it. And every time he healed somebody, it says that the Jews would meet together and it said that they would kill him, but except for the crowd. So it didn't come to be, see that perfection when you put it in the middle of hell, when you put it in the middle, and when you put it in the middle of all the, the sensual natures, the fallen natures, when you put it in the middle of, when you put perfect in the middle of a fallen situation, it, 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 and it stirs everything up. But the, the, the peace speaker, the, 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 the wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father is not the problem. The fallen world is the problem. Now, now he is the Prince of Peace, and he is going to be the Prince of Peace. See, when he came the first time, when he come and when he come as a as a lamb, when he come when he come as meek and mild and as a baby, and he come when he came, when he lived to die, he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. But I'm telling you, he's coming again, and then he's not coming as the lamb. He's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming in power and great glory. He's coming, it says, that, I, that, that in the Revelation, that it talked about that one that was coming on a white horse who was called faithful and true. It says that in righteousness and judgment, he does make war. And it says he will, he will, he will tread the winepress of the fierceness of God and that he will rule with a rod of iron. For 1,000 years, that this prince of peace is going to rule in perfect peace. 
But in this fallen world that we're in, in this situation that we're in now, the strife and the envy and the contention that it says doesn't come from above, it comes from the fall, and it comes from when we don't accept who he is and apply him to our life. That's probably a bad way to say it because he's not something we put on like a Band-Aid. Actually, he's something we are clothed in. Actually, actually, if you want to get right down to it, it's someone, he's someone that we are baptized into. Mm. Somebody said, I didn't think it was about the water. It's not about the water. The Bible talks about three different baptisms. Can't get into all that tonight, but I can tell you where they're at. Go to Romans chapter 6 and 7, and you'll find Paul telling you that, I, that we were baptized into Christ. And it's not talking about in the tank. He's telling you, because see, if it was in the tank, it would say, Paul baptized you into Christ, or Peter baptized you into Christ, or Apollos baptized you into Christ, or somebody else baptized you into Christ. But he says the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Salvation. Then it talks about a baptism that John talked about. It says, John said, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but there's one coming after me. And he said, I'm not even worthy to unloose his shoes. He said, but he, who was the he? It was Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So you got the baptism of, that the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. That's salvation. See, you know, I don't, so it's not a band-aid that I put on. He's not an outer garment that I put on. I am, I, I, when Paul, I think, I, I used to know the exact number of how many times Paul said something in relationship to in him, in whom, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. We are, well, if, I, I almost always quote it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if a man is in Christ, that means something. If a man is in Christ, it doesn't mean if Christ is on me. Uh, I got 20 minutes to straighten this out because we're talking about James. We're talking about that, that, that envy, strife, and bitterness, and contention, and all those things doesn't come from God. It comes from, it comes from either the conventional wisdom of mankind that has fallen, which, so that's from the sin, or, or it comes from sensual me that I'm operating by my senses, or it comes from the, it comes from the devil himself. It's devilish, demonic, from hell. And so, but, so contention, strife, and envying and all that, they never comes from God, but it all flows out of sin or the sin nature. And that's why we're talking, that's why I went to this, because you've got to understand where it comes from and who you are when you, when you are fallen and who you are when you're in Him. Now, see, that's, that's one of the things I keep telling you, that the church world today is trying to disciple people who have never been redeemed. They're trying to disciple people that got them a, a Jesus sticker, people that got them a fish on their car, people that decided to come to church every once in a while, people that say, that say something along the lines of, I, I, I believe in God, or what, but, you know, but they, he's, he, he's going to go straight into just a second. He, he's already talked a little bit about it. He's about to say more in James. He says, if you say you know him, but you, but you don't have his nature, then there's something wrong with the relationship because you're not his. See, Jesus is not 
something you, you uh, add to the shelf. He's not, he's not, he's not a band-aid in your situation. He's not what you run to when you get in trouble. You can run to him when you get in trouble, but he's not, but he's not just, he's not just your temporary fix. He's not your quick hit. He's not your toke. He's not your hit. He's not, he's not your, hello? He's not your bell bondsman. He's not your divorce lawyer. Oh, I've, I've just gotten down to real because that's what people think he is. Everybody finds him. By the way, if people say, I found Jesus, no, you didn't. Jesus was never lost. Jesus found you. Matter of fact, it says he, came, he comes looking for you. No, it's when I am in him. See, uh, when, I am, when I am born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes me into Christ, according to Romans chapter 6 and 7. And then the world can be envying, strived, and confused, and all hell breaking loose all around me. And, but now, you know what I have? I have peace, peace, wonderful peace. I have what Paul wrote about to the Philippian church when he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It says, And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will set a guard about your heart and your mind. When does that happen? It says, it said, Be anxious for nothing. See, you can, you can be, when, when you're in Him, they can be marching you down to cut your head off. And you know what you'll have? Peace. You'll write things, you'll write crazy things like when you're in the Philippian jail. And then in the morning they're coming to get you to march you out to lob your head off right ahead of your shoulders. You'll write things like, I've fought the good fight. I finished my course. And you'll talk about now there, there is laid up before me a crown of life. Now I'm going to tell you, there was strife and contention, hatred, violence, everything surrounding Paul. And all that stuff was from the conventional wisdom around him. The conventional wisdom of the day is all these Christians have got to die. The Romans says that all these people, they're, they're, they're trouble. The, 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 the chief priest of Israel, the religious crowd of Israel said, we got to get rid of them. We can deal with them. Think about it. We can deal with the Romans, but we can't deal with these Christians. Envying, strife, and contention, no peace. After everybody trying to kill them out. We're gonna, we, if, you, if you read in Acts uh, chapter 11, I believe, it'll start out that the king had, has, had, had killed James because it, and, and they were fixing to kill Peter because the people were so pleased that, that with killing James that since they're so pleased with killing James, let's kill Peter too. Now that, doesn't, that sounds like strife and envy and, and, and a problem, devilish. All of those things, am I right or wrong? Paul is dealing with that, and that is, now there's laid up for me a crown of life. 
And, and, and he wasn't even thinking just about himself, and he says, for them also. <laughs> he, he was telling them, you can have what I have on my way out if you'll get what I got. I'm going to tell you, see that's, the, that's, see, that's the peace that comes. See, that's the peace that comes from above. That's the peace that no matter, because we've got this crazy idea about Jesus and what he came to do, about what, he, about what his goals are on the earth. We think that the church is going to come in and fix all the world's problems, and it was never his goal. We got a social, oh, I'm going to meddle. We got a social gospel today. Oh, I can go even further. Might not have been the, the no, I'll keep that to myself. We got, how about a social, are you ready for it? How about a social justice gospel today? You know, I was at uh, General Council of the Assemblies of God in Anaheim, California in August of 2017 and it came to the floor that we need to change the mission of the Assemblies of God and one of them was for social equality and justice. Now, I know the political environment laps that up. Oh. Oh, and I mean, it sounds so good. It sounds so good. But I, I'm going to tell you that God's never been about equality. I better get my chair out. Because people are looking at me funny already. I, I'm talking about people in southeast Texas. I got to sit down because y'all making me dizzy. Because see, we live in a world, you say, what are you, what are you talking about this for? Because I've already told you where this division, uh, uh, let me ask you a question, then we'll get back to it and see if it helps you understand. Are, are we living in an environment of strife, envy, contention, confusion? I'm telling you why. I'm telling you why. Because I'm telling you that it didn't come from above. I'm telling you it came from the conventional wisdom of the society. I'm coming to tell you that it came from my sensual nature that wants to do for me what feels good for me right now. And never mind the consequences that come with it. Because every, when everybody does right in their own eyes, God judges it. It says there is a way which seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. See, there's one thing, I, there's a little, I, I see most of the time, y'all know I'm fascinated with social media sometimes, not because I'm fascinated with Mark Zuckerberg or Metaverse or Bibleverse or Snap, whoever, I don't even do that. I, I, I do it because it gives me to a window to the world that it's insight like nothing else. And it says, you know, there, every once in a while somebody gets it right. It says, you know the one thing that, is left, that God left out of the Bible? God left one thing out of the Bible. Your opinion. <laughs> he didn't ask you. And he didn't ask me. So when there's a way that seems right to a man and you follow that, you're in a problem. Whenever everyone does, it says, if there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. We know that, that when everyone does what was right in their own eyes, the Bible said that's when judgment came because that means you have rebelled against God. That means you have set what he set aside. That means you thought you had a better way. It's always been our problem. We've always thought we had a better way. 
And we're all confused about who Jesus is and what the church is for and what he ever came for. I could blow some of your minds right now. And you would think, you wouldn't. I, I, you know, I, if Jesus came today, I don't know if he could get credentials with my organization or not. I'm pretty sure Paul couldn't. Well, let me cover that a minute. Paul couldn't get credentials. I know he couldn't get credentials. And, and, and David couldn't get credentials. And... Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Uh, Peter, no, probably not either. That rhymed. Uh, oh, she shut her head out. Uh, see, he didn't come. He didn't come to fix the world. The disciples got upset about it too, because whatever he had died and. I mean, they went through all that. I mean, they went through, he was healing people and setting people free and delivering them from demonic oppression. Said everywhere he went, Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healed all of those that were oppressed of the devil. Acts chapter 10. And, and everywhere he went, it says he healed all. And except in Nazareth, because they didn't believe him, they said in his own hometown, that's how people, that's how hometown people can be. So they didn't, they couldn't heal, he couldn't do hardly anything there because of their unbelief. He said he healed a few sick folks. But then after, he, they, they, after they act like they had really stuck with him, but they had sc all scattered. When nobody went to the cross with him but the women's. Hello? And now he's risen in power, glorified. And now they want to say, well, you, then they say, well, Lord, will you need at this time of restore again to Israel, the, the kingdom to Israel? See, they get like us. They thought he would come to fix the world. And come to fix the world, Calvin. He's still not here to fix the world. He's not here to get us out of all of our problems. That's one of people's biggest disappointments. They get mixed up about when they get saved. They think they're not going to have any problems anymore. And not only are you going to have not only are you going to have problems after you get saved, you're probably going to have more. But you won't do it alone, and you'll have peace. An absence of strife. They can be going to cut your head off and you're like, all right. I ain't sure I'm there yet. We'll see. No, 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 no. Social. See, people are confused about who he is and what he's done and why. He didn't come to fix all that. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Somebody repeat it to me. For this Cause the Son of Man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he, what is the works of the devil? He crushed the perfect God's perfect creation. He was, he tainted the bloodline of Adam. He, he caused the fall of man. For this cause, the Son of Man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. What is destroying the works of the devil? He came to that whosoever will that would call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when they do, they're reconciled by the blood of Jesus to a holy God. He come to redeem fallen mankind. He come to pay back, to buy back, to take back what the devil stole from us. He said, you are, he, he told us you are in this world. 
but you're not of this world. He didn't come to change the world. He didn't come to right every wrong. See, the peace was eternal peace. The peace was holy peace. The peace is spiritual peace. The, the absence of strife and envy and hatred is in you. And that's why Paul said, as much as depends on you to live peaceably with all men. Because it's not always up to you. Some people are going to hate you because you're a believer. Because you live a holy life. Because you're walking with him. Because they, they were happy when you were as miserable as they were. Oh. Do you understand? This world is not happy when you succeed. Peace comes from above. It's not a social gospel. He doesn't have a social agenda. He doesn't have, boy, it messes people up. He doesn't have a political agenda. We better sing something, Sam, because people like to sing. They like music. You can... People, people will come sing if they won't come here preaching. So we better sing something because I've got something stirred up. Because yeah. we're at a time when people don't understand what, who Jesus is, why he came. James is explaining that. Right. James is explaining uh, this, this thing about, how, about what happens when you live for God. He's, he's just explained to you how you can't control your trap. You can't keep your mouth shut until you get saved, until the Spirit of God takes over in your life. Till you, get, you see, it wasn't a Band-Aid. It wasn't, it wasn't even a tattoo. It wasn't a, I mean, you can, you, can, you can tattoo, I walk by faith, not by sight on your foot, but if you don't, if you don't walk with Him, you just got ink. Jesus came for you to save you, not this world. Oh, I, I mean, I can bite off more than I can chew in two hours if I tell you. Uh, Jesus didn't even rebuke or try to fix. I don't even know if I want to say it. What'd you say? Social injustice. He didn't. He didn't. You'll never find one account where Jesus tried to remedy a social injustice. He never did it because he wasn't preparing us to live here. He was preparing us to live. He was, he was preparing us to be, to be in him. And he was preparing us for the place that was to come. Where He says, you're pilgrims and you're strangers in this world. He said, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why are you a peculiar people? Well, some of you ought to know. Some of you look in the mirror every morning. You know by now why you're peculiar. That's not what he meant. Peculiar, you, you react different. 
to adversity. Peculiar. When the world's burning down around you, you can sleep at night. Peculiar that when the, when the doctor said, it's cancer and you're not going to make it. There's nothing we can do. You say, I've got peace, peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Yeah. Or, you know, you say, far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rose a melody sweeter than song. <laughs> you ever been in celestial like streams? It's uh, something over my soul like, in, like I forgot. <laughs> what I'm telling you is See, you're peculiar. There's the absence of strife and envy and contention because something came from above that's bigger than this old world. Oh, that don't that that doesn't you know that doesn't mean you don't have emotions. Cause you know I you know I know when I die I, where I'm going, but I ain't looking to go tonight. You ever heard about that one time a preacher was preaching about the rapture of the church? And he got all wound up. You know, these things used to be some stem-winding stuff. They get everybody wound up about the rapture of the church. And, the, you know, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Then Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord. In the, in the, and, and, and who wants to go with the Lord tonight? And everybody all over the building. And they said, one man over here on the corner. And he said, who wants to go with the Lord in the rapture? And he he still, everybody, and he said, I know the man's saved. What's going on? He, he went to him and said, Brother, who wants to go with the Lord? He said, he said Well, I do. He said, But I thought you was trying to get up low tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah, I got, some of you have never been here before. If y'all don't know it, my editor in chief is over here on the front row. But she doesn't have me on a delay, so, that, so it's live, so it, it gets out anyway. He, did, he didn't come to fix the world. You know, it's later than I started to mention a while ago. You know what he didn't, now, now hear me, now hear me, y'all, give me more than three seconds, okay? This is going to blow your mind. It's going to blow the world's mind. Um, this, this may even get Jesus canceled. It was, remember when the Russian premier said that, said that he would stomp out Christianity and, and in a and hundred years there wouldn't be a Christian on the face of the earth? Now he's dead and his, and his old house is a Bible museum. Remember, remember when, when, when what's his name? Uh, Paul McCartney, no, John Lennon. Remember when, he, when John Lennon decided that, he, that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus Christ? Well, John Lennon actually did apologize for saying that, but John Lennon's in the ground, and Jesus is still alive and well, saving, setting people free. Uh, see, but, hold on. I can't believe I stopped that. <laughs> it's going to just blow. Jesus never even addressed slavery. He didn't endorse it. Don't you hear me wrong? 
Paul even wrote a whole epistle to Philemon about a slave and about how to do him wrong. And if, and, if, and, if, and, if, and if he's done you wrong, Paul said, lay it to my account and I'll take care of it. In Acts chapter 11, he, uh, he uh, no, it was in Titus. I, I believe he addressed the same, he addressed, the, he told the, the church at, uh, he told Titus, the, the pastor, uh, that, that people ought to treat their slaves well. And he told the slaves they ought to they ought to behave well. And I want to tell you something. Don't get all confused. Because I'm not telling you that because Jesus didn't endorse slavery. That wasn't what it was about. The whole point is is he didn't come to fix the world's problem. What he came was what Paul said to the Galatian church that in him that there's neither male nor female. He said there's neither male nor female, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. But they're all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, how, even there were old songwriters that got it. Old song, I like old songwriters. Yeah? Before 7 Eleven music, convenience store music. Don't know about convenience store music, 7-Eleven music? That's seven words 11 times. <laughs> convenience store music. <laughs> Truly he taught us, remember that? To love one another. His law is love. And his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppressions shall cease. Mm. I kind of made some. Man, you can hang your hat. See, it was never, the, we're a confused world. The church world right now is trying to fix everything. The theology of the day. See, that's why I get so bent out of shape over dominionism and latter rain and kingdom now, whatever you want to call it, because it's talking about the church preparing all the entities of earth for Jesus, and he never said that. It was never. You know why there's so much hatred and strife and bitterness and contention and confusion in the church is because their wisdom is sensual. And at times, devilish. You say, you can't say that. But Paul said that there was coming a time that men would no longer uh, endure sound doctrine but would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons he wrote that to Timothy the other pastor it's amazing what's in two verses in James church 
our goal, his goal is personal. And the absence of strife and envy and bitterness and contention and confusion is in him within me. He redeems me. He redeemed me. He, he bought me back. And he'll buy you back. I think that's kind of interesting that redemption is, is a term talking about the price of buying a slave. I think that's kind of interesting. I, I, I think, I think, I think, it's because you know what, Paul something talking about, he was now, he was now a slave God in Christ Jesus. It was never about social injustice. Of course, if you're his, you're going to treat people right. Do you know if you're his, you're going to treat people right? Somebody needs to hear me loudly, or you're going to, or you're going to leave. When you're his, see, he changes you. He'll take out a heart of stone, the Bible says, and give you a heart of flesh. That's what it says. He'll, he'll change what you want to. He'll, he'll change the things you once hated. The ones you, things you once hated. He'll, put, he'll change to love. He'll cause you to love your enemy. Not only will he call you, he commanded you to. He said, don't return evil for evil. And he says, he says, oh, it's easy to love the one that loves you. He said, anybody can do that. He said, but how about the one that, how about the one that hates you, that wants to kill you? Can you love them? He did. He did. How do I know? Because when they had stretched him out, when they, when they had stripped him naked, naked, not like the movies, naked, and tied him to a pole and, and whipped him until there was nothing left of him, but he survived. And then crammed a crown of thorns on his head and, 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 and put a reed in his hand and, blind, and with him blindfolded and they slapped him and said, prophesy who hit you and spit in his face and plucked his beard out and made him carry his own cross and then when he couldn't do it put somebody under him to help him and then they stretched him out and, on the, and, and drove nails through his hands and through his feet and then raised him up between elevated him between heaven and earth and hung him there stripped bare before God and man and, 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 and then after before they could spear him and before he could give up the ghost before he could die after all that, he looked, at, he looked at the crowd. Well, he looked at guilty people on each side. And one of them still hated him with bitter rants against him. And the other one says, why are you after him? He said, we're guilty, but this man's done nothing. And he turns to him on the cross and says, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And all, <gasps> between... <gasps> He, he tells him, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. People don't think about that. Father, 
forgive them for they know not what they do he could have been cussing through his teeth he could have called legions of angels the bible says he was God he didn't have to said he could have called legions of angels and they would have came. God could have snapped his fingers and shook this world apart at its foundations and leveled it in a blink and started all over. But Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says greater love well it actually says that God commended his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he said greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for a friend yeah that's peace that's order that's a lack of confusion that's clarity. That's why he came. That's what the gospel is about. That's who we are when I'm in him and he is in me. It's not conventional wisdom because conventional wisdom says fix all the problems. And you ought to do good. He went about doing good. You ought to do good. It's the fruit of who you are. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But we're not here to fix all the world's problems because we can't. And they, and they don't love us for it. He said, they hated me, they'll hate you. See why? Because they reject who he is. They're not rejecting me. They're not rejecting the church. They're rejecting him. Yeah. Father, thank you tonight for the anointing of your spirit. Thank you tonight for clarity of thought and of your word. Thank you tonight for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray right now in the, at the close of this service with no one looking around, no one moving, the Lord, you're dealing, no doubt in my mind, in my spirit, that you're dealing with hearts tonight. Maybe someone has just heard past religion for the first time in their life and heard who you really are and why you really came and what you're really all about. And Lord, I pray tonight that by your spirit, you're arresting hearts tonight with conviction. Not out of strife and bitterness but about but bring into a place of I know I'm guilty but the Prince of Peace is here to speak peace I pray by your spirit that you do what only you can do in the next few moments and that's draw hearts to you here in this building maybe watching by live stream maybe that'll watch later 
your, 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 your hand is unlimited in its reach. You'll reach through time. You'll reach through distance. That your words are just as fresh today. Your spirit is just as real today. And your blood is just as powerful today as it's ever been. Lord, we call on you right now. No one's looking around. I'm not even looking around. This is a moment, but I want it to be between you and God. Maybe for the first time in your life in this room, you're realizing that, that you need not, some, not, not a social justice warrior to right every wrong in your life. Not a divorce attorney. Not, not, a, not a bail bondsman. Not a doctor. You need a savior. A deliverer, a peace speaker. The Bible says if you confess your, that Jesus Christ is Son of God and that you confess your sin with your mouth and that and you confess Him with, as Savior, that you'll be saved, born again. It says because it's with the mouth confession is made and with the heart you believe all over this house young and old whether you've been living for God for a hundred years or two weeks or you've just been religious or you've never been anything but, but every voice in this house this time would you pray with the pastor out loud every, everyone not a single one left out not that, it's not that a prayer saves you, but I'm going to tell you that a prayer will save you if you believe it and you'll walk in it. You say, well, why? I don't really believe in a prayer like that. See, it's not a prayer. It's not, it's not if, if it can be just words, but if, there's, if you mix it with faith and you'll walk out in it, it'll change your eternal destination and it'll change, you'll be a new creation. But some people just have never thought about how to pray. And they're intimidated, shy, bashful, just don't know how. So will you pray with us, everyone? You say, dear Lord, I thank you that you gave me your son, that you made a way back to you, that, you, that Jesus died for my sin. Tonight, I confess my sin to you. I turn from my wicked ways. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, deliver me, set me free, break the bondages of sin off my life. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's my Lord that he died in my place. And I accept you tonight as mine. And I'll live the rest of my life for you with your help. Open my heart, open my mind to your word and to your ways and help me walk by your spirit and walk in faith. I believe you for it tonight. And I ask you in Jesus' name, amen and amen.
tonight if that is your heart and you'll walk if you'll walk in that believe him you're not going to be perfect but when you're not perfect he'll 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 be faithful and just he'll forgive you and he'll help you if you'll ask him and walk in it hey he's not a religious badge he's not a band-aid he's God He's not a hard taskmaster. His burden, his, his burden, his load is easy and his burden's light. Your problems may not go away, but you'll have peace tonight. If you'll start sowing good seed, the harvest will come. Because whatsoever a man sows, that will he also walk in him. Walk in him and with him. And he will walk with you. I am so thankful that he's a good Savior. And that everything good comes from above, from the Father of lights. And him, see, in him there is no darkness, neither is there shadow of turning. Well, he is so light, he is so, that he can't even cast a shadow. And he loves you. And he'll walk with you. He saves you. Aren't you thankful for it tonight? If you're thankful, why don't you give him one hand clap of praise? Come on, why don't you give... Yeah. Why don't you just tell him one last time, Lord, I love you and thankful. Thank you, Jesus, that even in a dark world, I can walk in the light. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them that you love them.